The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew comes from the 13th chapter. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat, and he sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when they, when they rose, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no roots, they, get, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Our Creator God, we give thanks this morning for the beauty of a new day, for the sunshine after so much rain. It's a lush summer with much green grass and little need for watering. It's really amazing in so many ways. Our plants are blossoming, the weeds are thriving, even the grass is coming up regularly green. So we give thanks for the wonder. While so many people around the world have parched desert soil, and drought and are longing only for the relief of some water. The crops are dried and the hope is low. Lord, we ask that you would be um, a present to all people around the world and help us to feel your power, your presence, and your hope for the future, that we are never alone. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. For the past six years or more now, I have what you could call a green tradition a green tradition. What is that? <clears throat> well, as I leave Minnesota to come back here each year, some of you may have seen it on Facebook, I, I have a tendency to go out in my sister's two-acre yard and collect some pine seedlings. It's a little passion I have. I don't know that it's a good idea, but I've been doing it for quite some time, and she's fine with it. 
Oddly, you can find these little seedlings all over in the most unexpected places in her yard. In piles of gravel, you think it's impossible, there's a little seedling, a baby tree sprouts. In the dark shade, hiding beneath a hosta's big, broad leaf, another promising little one grows. Thin, dry soil in the crotch of a birch tree where there's really no way they can get down, another one is sprouting. It's like a game. We laugh, as the two of us, as we go around, kind of peeking and hide-and-seek for all the little sprouts that are coming up. And at last count, there were over 120 baby pine sprouts in her yard. Every time I pack my bags then, <clears throat> I figure she won't miss three or four of her pine seedlings. And so I bring them home. Yes, I get called over often by the security guards as I go through when they see in my backpack, where I have kind of carefully placed them, probably the dirt sets off some sort of warning, and they kick me right over to go through, and they rip everything apart that I so carefully packaged up, and then they say, okay, you're fine. Good luck, Johnny Appleseed, the last one said to me. And then I get back to my place, and um, my tallest migrant pine, as I'm calling them, is now this tall. And it's just amazing that almost 100% have made it. Well, I was thinking about that, of course, as I was planning the sermon on sowing. We know that the sower in my sister's prolific pine-infested yard is our creator, God. Casting seeds, it seems, there with frivolous imagination in the most unlikely places with abundance and a great success rate, I might add, no matter what this parable is saying about the different types of soil. For all things are possible with God, and his divine farming techniques yield incredibly abundant results. In today's gospel, Jesus teaches an eager crowd about God's coming kingdom. It's a simple, <clears throat> it's a simple way to teach parables, you know, are the method Jesus uses so much. A parable, as you know, someone once said, is just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The crowds are so numerous today that Jesus can't even stand with them. As you heard, he steps into a boat and pushes off for his pulpit. I think that would be pretty cool to preach from a boat right offshore, providing you had an anchor. Otherwise, I could see you drifting down shore as your crowd stayed put and your message got more faint as the day went on. The crowds are so numerous indeed because Jesus is uh, an incredible teacher. And he describes today four results from the sower's wild casting of seeds on different types of ground, as you know. And so, <clears throat> let's see how well you all are listening. After all, the sermon today is about let those who have ears to hear, hear. Jesus begins by saying, uh, you can volunteer, of course, I won't just put you on the spot. The first seeds fell where? Everyone's silent. On the path. On the path. And what happened then? <clears throat> There's some controversy here. They got trod upon or they got eaten by birds. I'll go with the birds. Okay, birds ate it up. Next, the second seeds fell where? 
On the rocks, seeds on the rocks, okay. And what happened to those seeds? They got scorched, okay. They didn't have uh, very much luck. They withered away, excellent. Third seeds fell where? Thorns. And the result was? <laughs> Don't you love thorns in your garden when you try to pick one? It's like, yow. Okay. And, of course, the fourth seeds. We can all have a, a, a resounding choir response here. Where did the fourth seeds land? Good soil. Good soil and what happened? What kind of numbers were there in the flourishing? Very good. Okay. Very, very good. I just want to make sure you were still with me. Okay. Good work. So notice how the key action in this parable is what? Is it eating? Running? Sleeping? No, it's? Listening and growing. Listening and growing. Yes, hearing. Let those who have ears to hear use them for what they're supposed to be. Hearing is more than just listening, however. Ooh, this is a good teaching moment. Hearing is more. Listening is kind of like you can catch the, the noise in the background. But if you're hearing something, it's to digest it, to understand it, to make it part of you. It became part of me. It's every teacher and preacher's fantasy, humbly spoken, that you will really, 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 really pay attention to what we've worked on all day this weekend, yesterday, for instance, to bring forth some sermon that will make a difference in your life. It's our fantasy that it will bear some modest benefit in your faith life this week and beyond. I know Jesus shared the same dream for his word teaching about the kingdom of God and bringing it into reality right in their midst is what he was about. An awesome, awesome assignment. And three out of four people will fail to get his gospel teaching and understand it in the parable today. 75% loss. Only 25% success rate for Jesus' preaching being taken to heart. The disciples, as you know, will desert him after they've listened long enough. The Romans will arrest him after they've listened to the challenge he offers. The Pharisees will challenge his interpretation as it goes on and on and begin to plot against him. Or as Jesus says in today's parable, when someone doesn't understand the kingdom, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart Or the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it can yield nothing. But fellow disciples, hear the core of Jesus' message today. God's kingdom will come despite our weaknesses, despite our 75% lack of attention to what Jesus is telling us, despite all of our doubts from day to day, God's kingdom will come. Because God will bring the harvest, not us. God will not let his word return empty. God will give promises to his children that will blossom and grow. God has a plan, and God is sticking to it. We hear as much in Isaiah's reading today. I love Isaiah's reading. It's so beautiful. As rain and snow come from heaven and do not return until they have watered the earth, making it spring forth and sprout. So my word shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, says the Lord. 
My word will not return empty, even if it only is understood and taken to heart by 25% of the hearers or less, maybe one. God still trusts his word into our hands, the message into our lives, and one that will be shared with the world. That's a lot of hope from God's part. Now, few of us are farmers today, but if we were, we might realize that there is a new precision technology. I don't pretend to know a lot about this, but I I had read this. This new precision technology for farming that's developed in the planting of corn and other seed crops. Huge tractors, and you know, I, I do see those, out in the fields are digging holes now with such precision that they dig perfect depth, and then not only that, even there's a small puff of air that is blown into the little hole where the seed hits so that it settles in accurately and there's no loss of efficiency in the planting. It's accuracy for sprouting seeds. This assures a huge harvest per acre. More money and efficiency has made us get the most out of every farmer's field. Now contrast that method with the almost wasteful and wild ways of sowing seeds that occur in Jesus' parable. Sometimes we as God's church people can also be a little too high-tech and efficient and controlling, much like this model we just learned about for farming. As we like this at UDLs, are we like this at Upper Dublin? We usually think of ourselves as pretty loose, I think, many of us. Um, But still, in our looseness, do we stifle the Holy Spirit? Do we take control too much of what God is trying to do to us? The wild outreach and the sowing of seeds that God puts in our life and in new neighborhoods around us. Do we risk sowing our faith wildly and in unexpected places in our evangelism outreach? Places that God is at work, but we do not often go? Our commentary describes the business school model uh, for church planting. One of the commentators that I was reading describes the business model as there is an efficiency farm model. There's also the efficiency church model for church growth. He writes, if you've ever set about to plant a new church, plant it in a carefully scrutinized, sure-to-grow neighborhood. If you ever decide to double your church's membership, then craft your message for a promising demographic and reach out to people who are motivated and purposeful and driven enough to receive and do something with it. Be strategic about your location. Like any self-respecting hamburger or gas station or grocery chain, maximize your effort toward the arena of greatest result. Find the good soil and throw seed on it. That's just good business. Hmm. It sounds a little strong, but you know, I can see reflections somehow of those thoughts as um, I have moved through church life over the years. We have lots of experts, lots of journals, lots of manuals, and lots of websites on how to maximize our evangelism outreach. On the other hand, there is another historic model for the church's mission. 
This was a powerful illustration from years ago that talks about Jesus calling us to be the witnesses, the self-sacrificing witnesses uh, to make the church grow, to plant seeds for the new kingdom of God. And these people in this church long ago were amazing in their testimony. Here's a historic model for the church's mission, sowing seeds of Easter hope in a threatening and dangerous world. His story was in the back of this latest Lutheran magazine, if you want to read it, I think. Bishop Eaton of the ELCA shares it in uh, the recent magazine anyway. There used to be a church, she said, in St. Petersburg, Russia. It was a beautiful structure, witnessing to the glory of God, where the Lutheran immigrants who arrived in the 18th century could worship the Lord in beauty and holiness. It was skillfully crafted out of wood. It was called St. Mary's Church. It was still a place of worship and hope in later years during the siege of St. Petersburg, now become Leningrad in World War II. But people were now freezing and starving to death in Leningrad, and there was no wood for heating or for cooking. And so what did the Lutherans do The Lutherans looked at their beloved and beautiful church and then looked at the suffering around them. And piece by piece, they dismantled their building and gave it away for the life of the community. This is what being free in Christ really looks like. This is what it means to hear God's word and understand it and have it bear fruit for the sake of the world. Let anyone who has ears to listen hear this. Amen.